Hey everybody, I'm Tim Muma, and you've ordered up Scrambled Eggs today on localjobnetwork.com radio. Scrambled Eggs is a more laid-back, entertaining approach to the employment realm, looking at the world from a slightly different lens from time to time. For this episode of Scrambled Eggs, we're resuming our conversation with Jason Jacoby, an all-around performer from a suburb of New York City. As an actor, singer, and puppeteer, he brings a versatile skill set to any position. In this, the second half of the interview, Jason goes into detail about the unique musical Avenue Q and his roles on stage. He also gives us some advice on acting to help us out in our own jobs and some tips on enjoying the performing arts on our own. To listen to the first half of our conversation, go to localjobnetwork.com, click on the radio tab near the top of the screen, and go to On Demand Radio. There you can find Jason Jacoby, actor, singer, puppeteer, part one. We start this portion, however, learning about the distinctive musical Avenue Q. Now, obviously, you brought up the Avenue Q a few times, and mm-hmm. I did want to touch on that in particular because, like I said, I, I had the privilege of seeing it along with my wife, and we both loved it. I thought, you know, you were tremendous, and the whole cast, as you mentioned, you guys did a terrific job. Thank you. And it's truly unique. It's a unique musical, and maybe some people have heard of it, and I had kind of heard of it years back, and then when I noticed it was coming into Milwaukee, I was like, is this the same thing I was thinking of? So it was a lot of fun to see, and I guess for those that maybe don't know, can you give a, a brief description and just explain for a couple of reasons, maybe why it's a unique musical as opposed to what people would traditionally think of when they hear the term musical? Sure. Um, I mean, in in a nutshell, it's Sesame Street for adults is how it's it's frequently billed. It's uh, I mean, it's a real it's a play about community, about finding your 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 purpose in life. Um <laughs> about finding happiness and about like really understanding what the real world is like. And uh, it plays on our country's sort of inherent love of Muppet-looking characters um, because Sesame Street's been on for, it's coming up on like 45 years now. We, we sort of, we can identify with characters that look like that, with puppets that look like that, and understand that, that they are trying to teach children in, in Sesame Street um, and in Avenue Q, they're used to teach adults. Um, you know, in, in Sesame Street, they're trying to teach kids how to count and how to read and whatnot and, and what life is like for, for a child. Right. And in this show, it sort of turns it on its head, and it's what life is like as an adult. You know, there's, there's racism, there's, there's, uh, there's homophobia, there's, uh, um, there's mo- financial problems, mm-hmm. there's, there's uh, all kinds of things. There, there's pornography. <laughs> Which, again, and that's the funny part of it, and it makes it, you know, from everybody I've talked to and the things I've read, it, it, it makes it more comfortable for some reason, all those topics, because of the puppets. I mean, do you feel that that really does exist in that way? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's because it, it's, it plays on, on your expectations of what puppets that look like this, cute little puppets, what they are going, how they're going to behave. It, it really plays on that. Um, and it does it really well. The show has so much heart and it's so, so funny. I think it's, it's incredibly funny. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And with that, because you're using the puppets and you're singing and you're still obviously having to do all the things that a typical actor would do, how is it tougher? How, what made it the most difficult? I mean, you obviously had all the, the background of puppetry and um, probably knowing a lot more of the skills than maybe some of your your team members did. But what makes it more difficult or a little bit tougher than just your typical musical, your typical, uh, you know, play? Um, what's hard, and this sort of brings back what I was talking about earlier, trying to find truth in in a lot of these moments is very 
difficult when you're working with a puppet and another person who's working with a puppet because on stage we're not no one no one looks me in the eye during avenue q i'm always behind a puppet and you as an audience member can see me other people on stage can see me Mm -hmm. they obviously know i'm there but they are interacting with the puppet the puppets are interacting with each other right and me as a puppeteer i'm looking at the other person's puppet and reacting off of that with my puppet. <laughs> and so the two of us as puppeteers are never looking at each other. The human characters in the show are always looking and interacting uh, with the puppet. Um, so it becomes it becomes even more difficult to like find that uh, that that truth uh, in these relationships and and in the uh, situations when you don't have another human face to bounce off of. Right. Um, when you're you're really just working with a, a, a piece of felt, really, and th- and that's one part I found interesting. And and my wife and I talked about this that for the most part she was watching you guys because mm-hmm. you're still doing the faces. You know, I mean, you're you're obviously using the puppet, but then your face is still making that expression, or you know, you're using your hands or your head in a certain way. So I, I find it interesting because it, it almost seems like it maybe goes a little bit against your nature then as an actor that you're you're not able to play off the human beings. But at the same time, as I said, my wife was watching you guys as much as the puppets. So, I mean, have you talked to anybody as far as do they get engaged with the puppet or are they still engaged with you as the actor? Have you kind of talked about that at all? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, it's it's kind of different for everybody. Um, there's a lot of audience members that say that, you know, I was watching you guys in the first song and then after five minutes in the show, I, I didn't watch you. I forgot you were there. I was enthralled <laughs> with the puppets, which is great. And there's other people like your wife that say, you know, I was super interested in watching these people manipulate the puppets in that way and watching kind of the craft of that and watching the logistics of the puppet handoffs and the trade-offs and different people puppeteering while other people are speaking. Right. Um, there's a lot of that that happens in the show, and it's all very interesting. And I think um, that's kind of also the beauty of the show is that you as an audience member can kind of watch whatever you want to watch. There's a lot going on, and there's a lot to see. And it's why I know a lot of people um, have seen the show, uh, particularly in New York, where it just has, you know, it's just running. It's been there for almost a decade. Right. Um, have seen it more than once because they'll go back and say, you know what, I have to watch this person and how they, where they go. Um, because the first time I saw it, suddenly they disappeared and there was a different person holding their puppet. And then they showed up over there and they had a different puppet. And and people really want to see that aspect of it. But the show in general is kind of like we sort of strive for like a 50-50 split between okay. the actor and the puppet. You know, the puppet can do – they're made so perfectly and so beautifully. And they are made um, in a very expressive way. But their faces don't move. You know, they, they can't blink. They can't – they can't really smile. Some of them are built with kind of a smile, but sure. they they are what they are. And they can express things in ways that we as uh, as actors, as people can't. And we can obviously do things with our face and bodies uh, that the puppets can't. So the goal is to get kind of an even split. Um, in, in various moments, there's it can be more of a 60-40, 70-30, but in general throughout the show, you're kind of going for a 50-50 split of um, getting expressing emotion um, in your face and mm-hmm. body as an actor and also doing it with the puppet in a, in a different way. Now, with that in mind, you do do a, a few characters and voices. So, yeah. uh, 
uh, Nikki, Trekkie Monster, and uh, Bad Idea Bear, of mm-hmm. which there are two, correct? Yes. If you wouldn't mind uh, describing each of them, and I, I did uh, kind of uh, warn you ahead of time, huh. I, I thought it'd be terrific if you could use the voices of each yeah. to kind of as a first-person introduction. So yeah. uh, I'll let uh, I'll let the uh, performer go to work here. Yeah. Well, Nikki, uh, Nikki's kind of sits a little further back in the throat. Nikki, uh, Nikki lives with Rod, and Nikki and Rod are are very much. Uh, they're, they're direct parodies, really, of, of Bert and Ernie. Uh, so Nicky's really the Ernie type. Um, he kind of looks like a grown-up Ernie. Um, and uh, so basically I, I, I attempt to do just as be- as good an Ernie impression as I can, which sounds a lot like Kermit the Frog also. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like a sort of a bubbled kind of voice. It's kind of like a bubble in the back of my throat. Um, so, yeah, and uh, it's kind of a voice that I've been, I've been attempting to mimic for, for a long time now. Awesome. And yeah, you could definitely hear the influences there. So, and and uh, I don't think that's lost in anybody when uh-huh. you're doing that. And then uh, Trekkie Monster, he's a little uh, little different character, but we might might somewhat uh, recognize him. Yeah, Trekkie Monster is a little harder to do. Uh, <laughs> he's harder for extended periods of time. Trekkie is uh, is also a direct parody. He's He really parodies Cookie Monster, of course. Um, but instead of cookies, he has a, an innate love of pornography. Um, Trekkie is kind of like... It's sort of like gargling air in the back of my throat. Um, so it, it, it does it takes its toll in my throat doing it for an extended period of time. But uh, it's sort of deceptive in the show. Uh, it, it's a little sporadic. And it's, he's got a very memorable voice and memorable moments. But um, it's deceptive how much he's really in there. Sure. Go ahead and get, get a drink of water there <laughs> so that it does affect your throat. Uh, and, and that's what I said to talk to you about is just – as you mentioned, there are different voices and, um, you know, maybe someone's manipulating the puppet while the voice is coming from someone else. That, that's another fascinating part that I don't think anybody really gets unless you're there watching it. Yeah. Um, and the last character that you uh, you performed as, uh, Bad Idea Bear, one of mm-hmm. them, and I, I don't know why I got a huge thrill out of, of that aspect of it. It's just... Uh, just the idea of it is funny and the way you guys portrayed it. So if you wouldn't mind uh, introducing us to, to Bad Idea Bear. Yeah, people love those two bears. <laughs> um, well, the Bad Idea Bear is just super cute. <laughs> it's just he's the epitome of cuteness. The two of them are, are – they're nothing but sweet, sweet and sinister at the same time. <laughs> so, I mean, and to kind of break it down, it, it, I guess – Bad, bad idea, bear. They are what they are. Um, mm-hmm. But you talk about them being so cute, but yet sinister. So and you don't have to do the voice. But I guess describe a little bit what you mean in that regard. The the cuteness factor, but not so cute in terms of their ideas. Well, they're sort of like they're sort of like the devil on your show. They're kind of like the angel and devil combined. <laughs> they have uh, they have the like physical qualities, I suppose. Um, and the vocal qualities of of the angel of being super cute. You you just want to squeeze them and cuddle with them <laughs> and do whatever they want you to do, but their intention is that of the devil. They have nothing but bad intentions. Um, trying to you know ju- just trying to get characters to make bad ideas, the worst <laughs> ideas possible. And I appreciate you doing the voices. Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah. I, I get, I'm sure it can be difficult, and uh, I appreciate you doing that. So kind of parlaying all of that now into the idea of just the overall job world and you know obviously these are all skills that you have that if you know heaven forbid you you were struggling to find work that you you could definitely take these into other areas you know and and what i've talked about with people is that i feel all the time in in work no matter what your job is you're always at some point acting and the ideas i put down i taught for a little while i said teaching third and fourth graders i mean 
big productions and I said bad singing and just different sort of mm-hmm. acting I, that helped engage them, helped get the idea there. Maybe somebody has to give a presentation to a team selling a product like you mm-hmm. mentioned before. There's all sorts of kind of aspects of acting, really. Uh, obviously, you guys do it in a professional manner and consistently well. But are there tips you can give to us amateur actors just to be able to maybe put ourselves out there and you know, people bring up the fear of public speaking or the inability mm-hmm. to remove themselves from the situation. Like they're so self-aware, you know, especially it happens mm-hmm. as adults. What kind of tips could you give just to, to help alleviate all that and, and make us better actors when, when we need to do it for our job? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, it's kind of going back to the idea of like having an agenda and having a, a, a goal and really understanding your relationship with whomever it is you're going to be interacting with, whether it's teacher to student or board member to employee or something like that. You know, understanding that relationship and how you could get something out of them that that you want. As, as far as uh, people's fear of public speaking has always been, has really always intrigued me because, I mean, I obviously don't have that. Um, <laughs> And really? I, I never, <laughs> I never really did. Um, my mother is terrified to get up in front of people. Okay, um, it, you know, more than five people is is too many, <laughs> and it's always just really intrigued me. Um, because I, I think, I mean, if you're going to give a speech, you're going to give a presentation to people in your office or to a board or whatnot, I, I think there's ways to kind of remove yourself from that. I mean, if you have a script that you're working from, there's ways to break that down um, and to really understand what it is you're saying, what the information you're really trying to get across, and and why you're getting that information across to them, what you're trying to get them to do with that information. And I think if that's the focus and you can try to get your mind off of, oh, my God, I'm standing here and I'm talking to a room full of people and I can't believe that I'm doing this. And now my breath is short and my heart rate's <laughs> up and I need a drink of water. I mean, I, I think focusing on really the task at hand um, and trying to kind of get over yourself. Well, there's a lot of that in in acting and certainly in, in, uh, in college, in the training. There's a whole lot of get over yourself that this is – you're playing a character – you're bringing another artist's work to life on stage. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about these people in this play and this situation. Um, and it's about the audience understanding that and getting something out of that. You know, get get beyond yourself. There's there's worse things in the world um, <laughs> than your fear of of talking in front of you know a handful of people. So I think it's it's sort of prioritizing it and getting um, really focusing on on what it is you're saying and and what what you're trying to get across and um, just trying to push any sort of reservations and fears to the back of your head because really once it's over, it's over and and that's it. You know, you, you'll be better for it, I think, in the end. So really a, a lot of what I get from you there is just the idea that, I mean, don't make it about yourself, right? I mean, right. it's about the people you're talking to. It's about the product or the message or um, I think that I think that's important to say because I think it's easy for everybody to get caught up in themselves and mm-hmm. positively and negatively it happens. So I, I like the way you, you phrase that. And I think in teachers, uh, particularly, I found that the most effective teachers in my life, and you know, going back to grade school and high school and whatnot, um, were teachers that made the material about the students. That was not about just standing in front of the board and going right. through this equation, but but really trying to make it important to them and to to get them to understand why 
you know, what, why this is happening, why, why we're, we're going over this, why we're talking about this, and make it more personal and, and more about the student. Sure. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, so I, I did want to just touch on this kind of side of it. You know, and I, I kind of brought this up to you uh, via email, but the idea that obviously there's a certain amount of uncertainty in the job world and with your profession that just kind of goes hand in hand, the uncertainty of, you know, whether or not you're going to have a job and uh, more work and unless you, you know, hook on with somebody. So it almost lends me to believe that this is not necessarily a bad time to go for your dream, so to speak, which is really what you did. I mean, for mm-hmm. all the things it sounds like, and obviously you're loving it. What would be your advice, your encouragement, your your sort of support for people who maybe are worried about that traditional job, but they have a love for, maybe it's performing of some sort, maybe it's some sort of uh, involvement with travel or or whatever it might be, whatever that Mm -hmm. passion is. What would be your encouragement to make sure they don't just, well, that's not going to happen or I don't know if I can do it. What what would you offer out there as someone who has been successful Mm -hmm. finding something they loved and really going for it? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's many ways to be involved in the arts and in theater and performance. Um, without diving, you know, uh, headfirst into it, without having to leave a full-time job and, and a career and whatnot and financial stability um, and and leaving all that in, in the dust and just going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, I mean, there are community theaters all over the country that um, some that do really decent work, some that don't do that that great uh, could be honest, productions. Like there are levels. Um, yeah, there are definitely <laughs> levels to it. But um, there are lots of theaters that, that would be considered community theaters that simply don't have a budget really to hire out-of-town performers and house them and whatnot. You know, they, they just can't do that. And so they hire people from the community. And I, and there are definitely ways to get involved in, in theaters like that and to, you know, to test the waters and to wet your feet and see if it's something that you're really interested in. Um, and what's interesting to me is there, I've, I went to school with a lot of people that were performers in school and are now making a better living than I am uh, in the technical aspect of okay. of the world, um, working in in television and working behind the scenes in uh, in theater and whatnot, and that was just from taking classes and working on shows. You know, going to their local theaters and saying, you know, do you need someone to help out? I can I can learn how to run a soundboard, how to run a light board. You know, it seems incredibly complicated when you know nothing, mm-hmm. but give yourself an hour to learn it and uh, you'd be surprised you know what how how little there is to really to learn to 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 at least run the board designing everything is is a sort of a different story but i think um you know th- so there's all those community theaters that you can get involved in there's also most uh metropolitan cities have have places that have classes um whether they be straight up acting classes or um, taking voice lessons, singing lessons, or if it's improv classes. I think improv classes are a huge benefit to people. I know I, I took some classes at um, at Upright Citizens Brigade in New York a few mm-hmm. years ago, um, and the level one was about half the class were, you know, were per- struggling performers and whatnot. The other half of the class, those lawyers and nurses and teachers and other people that had no real interest in being performers right. for the rest of their lives, but 
wanted to be involved in some way, wanted to know actors, wanted to go see more theater, wanted to get over a fear of of speaking to their clients and to their, you know, board members and, and students and whatnot. And I think in an improv class can be hugely beneficial because it really gets you to really let go um, and to get over yourself, to learn how to rely on yourself in mm-hmm. those kinds of situations, but to get past those kinds of fears um, and to just, you know, throw caution to the wind and just let it go and see what see what happens. That's, that's great advice. I, I truly appreciate all the insight you've given us because yeah. it, it's a unique perspective and I would hope that anyone who sees you or any performer kind of wonders about those things, especially if they had you know, maybe an inkling to try it out and, and you've given them some great ideas. Unfortunately, that is the uh, final curtain for our show mm-hmm. today. Hopefully everyone listening has enjoyed their scrambled eggs here on localjobnetwork.com radio. It's been a pleasure to have with us Jason Jacoby, a professional actor, singer, puppeteer, jack of all trades, mm-hmm. pretty much in the theater world. Uh, Jason, thanks again for stopping. We Thank you, Tim. It. It's been great. Is there anywhere uh, people can learn more about you and, and your work a little bit? Yeah, I have a website. It's www.jason-jacoby.com. J-A-S-O-N-J-A-C-O-B-Y.com. Uh, and Avenue Q Place till October 14th at Skylight Music Theater, downtown Milwaukee. And you mentioned, too, that uh, it is it is currently running still in New York? It's, it is currently okay. running in New York, yeah. Okay. It's off-Broadway in New York. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I do recommend if anyone gets a chance to check it out or you know find some clips, some, some clips on Jason's website as well that you can see just to kind of get a feel for it. Uh, and for the rest of uh, all of you listeners, please feel free to send us in your comments and any ideas to the show to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You've been locked in to Scrambled Eggs. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.